Welcome to The Radio Cure. We're a show that looks at new albums and artists in and around the indie music landscape. I'm your host, Nathan Seal, and each week Jeremy Cohn and I will be talking about what we're listening to and why we think you should too. We're not critics, we just love talking about music and the new shit we're into. This week, we're talking about Grizzly Bear. We'll start with their new album, Painted Ruins. Then later, we'll dig into the back catalog. That's next on The Radio Cure. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, buddy. What's up? How you doing? Not much. Happy birthday. You had one of those? I did have week? one of those. It was one of the many obstacles in our way, trying to get the pod <laughs> out. I was too drunk a lot of the time to edit it, and uh, had some train problems, and my computer's acting like a bitch. But it's out there now. The new pod is out as of today. Yeah, it's quality work. I, I I really enjoyed going through the protest songs. That was fun. It was. It was it was it was less, you know, political criticism and more just kind of unhinged rantings, but on our sure. part. <laughs> but the music was solid. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of the uh, the expanded playlist we have up on Spotify now. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, check it out. It's in the uh it's in the show notes. Uh, of the last one, uh, but we're on to the next one, uh, Grizzly Bear. We're excited about this band. We've been yeah. wanting to talk about these guys all uh, summer. Um, but but first, you know, uh, Ryan Adams, the Twitter gift that just keeps on giving. Absolutely, like I'm excited that we get to start like every show with him now. <laughs> uh, it's. It's so great. So uh, he goes on another Twitter rant, you know, calling Father John Misty uh, Sir Fuckhead, and uh, he sounds like uh, shit Elton John, but if he was just sitting in a corner staring at his hands on LSD. <laughs> Which, just <laughs> not the biggest hilarious. insult. Hilarious and also not the biggest insult ever. I mean, that still is probably pretty cool. <laughs> well, I'd listen to that. I would absolutely listen to that. <laughs> like, do you, what do you, do you, what do you think? Like, so these tweets happen in the morning. Now this sounds like, uh, some drunk twittering to me. Um, yeah, especially because the apology twittering. So are we to assume that Ryan Adams is getting fucked up at 10 AM? I thought he was like more or less clean now. I don't know. It seems like he was drunk or something though. Do you think it's, it's kind of, he's still drunk from the night before? Possibly, yeah. That could be an explanation. I don't get it though. Like, what is his problem? Why is he? Why is he well, doing uh, he needs to do this. And again, like a year later, but Father John Misty uh, made fun of his um, Taylor Swift cover album. Um, yeah, an album that ago. I really enjoyed. You, did you like? I know that too? his be- his best album since. Um, uh, shit, I missed it, but uh, since the know, '90s, I mean. probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the last like five, ten years, it's been the one that I were really excited about. Yeah, uh, I really, I do actually really like that album, but yeah, and, Father John. You Misty. know, I mean, he's a he's he's a folk kind of guy, and you know, like M Ward and some of the other ones that that's in the tradition to to cover things. Yes. So I I don't I don't think that it's really. I mean, you know, whatever he can have his opinion, but I I don't think it's a a stain on on Ryan Adams or anything. But then a year later, he he decides to to come out with it uh, because uh, he's on uh, Austin City Limits, and so 
you know, so wonderful. You booked the most self-important asshole on the earth to break it all down for us. Yeah. While he does his Nick Cave impression. <laughs> that is so on point. Did you see? Um, did you see Father John Misty a bit like responded to that specific uh, thing on Instagram? Um, no, what he say? It's kind of like uh, it looks like it was totally off the cuff. But knowing what I know about Father John Misty, I'm assuming it was all planned. But it's a video of him like hanging out maybe in a green room at a venue or something. And it's him hollering at the other people in there. He's like, Ryan Adams just told me I was the most important person on planet Earth. And then someone <laughs> yells back the correction. They're like, self-important. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, it's great. Uh, right. But Ryan yeah, Adams, I mean, I he's kind know. of on point about Father John Misty. Which makes it even funnier, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's not wrong. Like, I mean, I love Father John Misty infinitely more than Ryan Adams, but it's just the whole situation is just really funny to me. Yeah, definitely. I feel like the worst tweet of all of them was the um, the apology one. Uh, yes, <laughs> I was loving it up to that. I'm human. I have bad days. It happens. I apologize. Did he posted a picture of his fucking cat with it too? <laughs> yeah. <Like> what? <laughs> that's the that's like the quintessential definition of the social media apology. Yes. <laughs> do you think Do you think that Ryan Adams is just like having a hard time with the whole divorce situation? Is that what's going on here? I think so. I, I think he's also having a hard time with his waning importance mm -hmm. um, on the scene, as it were. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, it still seems like he has a um, concerted following on the social media, but kind of in the wider, you know, music scene, it, he hasn't really, it hasn't really come off for him. I, and I think that for him, you know, I would love a political Ryan Adams album, you know? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think he's suffering from his uh, chosen subject matter uh, right now. Yeah, that makes sense. God, he's, <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just such a baby. It's so, I think people, this Twitter shit is just so funny. Yeah, whine about the present. Don't whine about, you know, love lost or a breakup album again. That that's what that's what people want right now. Yeah, and you'll be a, you'll be as self important someday. Maybe you too, right? Adams can be as self important as Father John Misty. Yeah, you'll get there, buddy. <laughs> Hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we should move on to Grizzly Bear. Um, and I'd like to report that I was pretty close uh, for the Metacritic score that we picked uh, way back when. I said eighty two. Oh, no, I said 84, and it's 83. Yeah, I went high on this one, right? Uh, I, I don't have yours with me. So okay, I, 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 if I remember right, I think that they I had them projected at my second highest to the national. Mm -hmm. I think I went high 80s for this. This is my biggest miss so far. Well, that's pretty, uh, that's pretty good, though. Uh, I've been way off, so I was pretty happy. I only missed this one by one. One. Yeah, that's very good. Within one, that's great. So, well-received album. And uh, just to get us into this, uh, this is from Drowned in Sound. Uh, what is consistent about Grizzly Bear has been the strength of the material. Though for some, 2006 Yellow House remains their high mark, 
hardly anyone can deny that their material hasn't lost the same allure they built up over the early years. The only real mystery was whether they would even get another Grizzly Bear album. As in the five-year interim, the band have split coasts, half are based in L.A. now, uh, and seemed more interested in their personal projects. Whether or not it was a major label money that brought them back into existence, there appears to be no impact on the music. Painted Ruins, the band's fifth set, continues their DIY attitude of writing collaboratively in secluded spots and being produced by their multitasking bassist, Chris Taylor. And their wholly idiosyncratic writing style remains, thankfully, intact. Um, So... That what I feel like. That's what I feel like is the strength of this album is that there's not that this isn't their dance album or something. This is just a, mm-hmm. a continuation of what they've been doing, and and just doing it really well, sticking to what works and continuing to kind of further nuance uh, their sound and continuing to kind of expand their vocabulary. Yeah, I think. Um... With them as much as anyone, uh, for a band that does like push forward and do different things, their like evolution from album to album is uh, like pretty apparent. Like if you look at it, like you can see like the steps between all of them. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That all like culminate in these like certain sounds. It's very like chartable evolution, more so than like a lot of other bands. I think. Yeah, and each one of their sounds, uh, each one of their albums has a different sound to it, although there's like this kind of basic grizzly bear formula that that stays the same. They're either kind of applying it in a little bit different way or just adding uh, to it, you know, and it was really interesting to go back and listen to their early catalog versus this and to see how much the change has, the sound has changed, but also hasn't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always yeah, there's always like bits and pieces of everything that remain from album to album, but like the the their sound like I I feel like they've gotten um kind of heavier every album. Mm-hmm. I mean they, they still they're not like face melting rock band or anything, no. but there's I feel like every album there's there's more like heavy electric guitars. With every subsequent album, for example. Yes, yes. In the first, uh, in the first albums, were the the flourishes were flowerier, and mm-hmm. a, as as it progressed, I feel like they become kind of more eerie, uh, almost. Um, yeah, kind of a, a darker tone to them, and like you're saying, it, that goes with the the, the guitars being more, more aggressive and rock. Yeah, which is generally something that I like latch on to. But I mean, as of right now, uh, I would say there's no way this new album is as good as Shields or Vacatomist. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, it's this is Grizzly Bear. Like this is one of those bands you got to listen to this a lot. There is a lot to unpack with all of their albums. So I don't, I don't want to make a total judgment on it yet, because even though I've listened to it half a dozen times, I probably need to listen to it a hundred more times before I really have mm-hmm. a good opinion on it, I think. You know, I, I made that mistake on um, In Rainbows with um, uh. Radiohead. It, it, it just wasn't what I was expecting after 
um, Hail to the Thief, and I kind mm-hmm. of wrote it off for a little bit. And then the more and more I listened to it, I was like, wow, this is a really, really good album, and it's an important shift or 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 not even a shift, but an important like variation to the to the Radiohead sound that kind of fills out the rest of their catalog, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that um, this will be the same way. The, the more and more I listen to it, the more appreciation I had for it. Um, it's a little bit of a jazzier, kind of a loungy swing to it. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, after Shields, which, as we'll get into in the retrospective, was definitely my favorite of their earlier stuff. Uh, Shield just had like this badass dark kind of overtone to it. And this seemed a little bit more, um, yeah, jazzy or, or just kind of a little, um, a little different to me. It didn't have that same feel to it, but as I really got into it, it does have kind of an eeriness. This is from uh, pace, but as calm and serene and sad as the sounds of painted ruins may be, it's all a bit alarming. In fact, the album seems to normalize apocalyptic conditions and creates an adaptability around it. Painted Ruins is very much a Grizzly Bear record, with the band capitalizing on the glorious experimental melodies that have become their hallmark, but the project is much more avant-garde than their previous records, uh, with their greater abundance of catchy hooks and hits. They find comfort in psychedelia, 70s folk, and the simple things in life. Yeah, and that's... I I feel like it's very apparent on... The first song we're going to go into, Morning Sound, um, which is one of the... They, d- they did the same thing that LCD's got going on right now, right? Like, they released three of these songs before the album came out. They released Morning Sound and Three Rains, is what I thought. Oh, I thought I did, that I Four Cypresses came out as well. Did it? I might, I might be mistaken about that, though. Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't say one way or the other. But I do know about those two songs, because those are the two mm-hmm. I think we kind of talked about when we were uh, previewing these way back when. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Morning Sound, it's... Man, I, this, I feel like this is as poppy as they've ever gotten. And I gotta say, I fucking love it. Like, this is... Yeah. It's like, it's an earworm. And, like, Grizzly Bear doesn't make earworm songs. To the sound of dogs To the sound of distant I think Arena Rock. Green. It has kind of a national feel to me. It's real poppy. Mm, yeah. it, could you even it, almost dance? It, it's like the danciest of all of them. I'm the one this is their dance record. That. This is their dance record. <laughs> this is their dance record. This one song. <laughs> but naturally, I fucking love it. And it, like, it gets yeah. stuck in your head, I would say, more eat more easily than any of their others. It's, I really dig it. Yes, but it has that um, kind of resolved post-war resignation uh, to mm-hmm. it. We walked with the morning sounds. Uh, it's the sound of distant shots and passing trucks kind of, you know, you can, you can see, um, a war scene where it's all over and there's kind of, they're talking to each other, but there's still a little fighting going on in the background and people are moving stuff around and getting the dead off the yeah and battlefield be- and stuff like that. Well, and the, and the, the title of the song is like morning is in mourning the dead, not like the AM. Yes. Which I think important, is since this is a, uh, audio, um, format. 
Right. <laughs> Which I assume is intentionally misleading as to how the song sounds musically. I mean, the lyrics mm-hmm. are dark, certainly. Yes. But yeah. I was not expecting the song rebirth, to... Though, too. Yeah, like and, but I was not expecting the song to sound the way it does musically based on the title. Uh, yes. Yeah, I love that. Don't you love that little... Um... That little guitar riff uh, that yes. kind of flo- floats through the whole thing. That's yeah, the one thing I do love about Grizzly Bears is that they have these little riffs, and they're never like these full blown uh, guitar solos, but they all- always pop up. They mm-hmm. kind of come in and out of their songs. Yeah, like little, little like flourishes. There's, they do mm-hmm. a lot of flourishes. Yeah, and that, that's my favorite Grizzly Bears when they have kind of this driving tempo and kind of this song that moves through in a real simple way, but yet they have all these flourishes on top of it. Uh, but yeah, this is super catchy, almost optimistic, um, but the yes. words kind of bring you back. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It's, like if, if you like are not paying attention to what they're saying, it sounds like a very happy song. Yeah. And then um, that theme is, is kind of continued in four cypresses, the planes flying overhead. It's kind of got those militaristic drums, but it's super pretty and eerie too. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to throw that in. Cause I think, yeah, I think you're right. Maybe that was one of the, the more popular ones, but the other mm-hmm. one we wanted to talk about was aquarium. This is, yeah. this is a really interesting, just a, one of those, un, those grizzly bear songs you really have to unpack over several listens. about it is it it's it feels almost overwhelming how much is going on in it and i mean that that's like a grizzly bear staple is like just they're extremely complex and there's just a ton of shit going on but in this one is almost in a more aggressive way to where the song is almost exhausting but in a way that i liked like the oh it, it, it's a tiring song to listen to because it's there's just so much shit going on and it's yeah, loud. it has a 30 second intro. It it almost has this rock opera feel. Like you could you could see somebody acting something out on a stage where I don't know, they're they're in Hades or something and somebody's being like thrown back and forth between uh devils and you know what I mean? Like there's kind of mm-hmm. this whole eerie, weird uh kind of baroque feel to it. And I mean, it could be like in the in a scene in the Dark Crystal. Um, <laughs> God, that movie scared the shit out of me when I was little. Yeah, I've never watched it, it since. Because it has kind of this this kind of operatic or musical production kind of feel to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With all the orchestra and the kind of the banging and clanging around. Um, haunted house kind of sounds. Like, oh, it, totally, just kind yeah. Of, yeah, it just has this weird thing. And then it breaks into like a mini chorus where you, where you kind of get this light out of that. Um, yeah, it, it mellows out in such a way that it's like it for me, it was it was like a relief. Like I was enjoying that chaos, but it it was just so much that when when, when it mellows out is like, oh, 
almost like 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 a coming down off of a drug or something. Yeah, it, it's so great. And, and that I even I think I tweeted that and at about three minutes in, it just has this, such a great instrumental break. And they don't worry about bringing the song back in at the end, you know, to kind of make sure that you kind of sing the chorus one more time or something like that. It's just kind of this yeah. instrumental that evolves and it's jazzy and groovy. It's everything I love about Grizzly Bear. Yeah, totally. Like the song, like kind of like changing its its overall sound at some point in like the middle of the song or whatever. That's like such a Grizzly Bear thing now. Like that's like that's what they do. Yeah, and and most of the ones I could say that about every one of the ones I picked up from the yeah uh, from yeah the we're back. gonna be repeating that on the back half of this episode <laughs> <Yeah>. for sure <laughs> I think that's part of my notes for like every single song we're gonna talk about. <laughs> Um, and it, it's really hard to pick out songs here. I, I, I felt like we picked out some just interesting ones because the album yeah. really plays from front to back. Like, like I, all of theirs do. Like, and yeah, this one everything is no kind of different. feeds together. Yeah. So much of this, it was hard for me to pick one or the other um, because it almost feels like there's just like parts of songs that I really cling to, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I love this song because of yeah. this one part, you know, yeah. or I love how it does this. And, and so, you know, none of them completely stand out for me. Like, Oh yeah, that's my hit. That's my jam yeah. off this, yeah. this album. But every little, every song has like this little jewel, this little Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I felt about pretty much every song they've ever done. Yeah, yeah, it's uh like that Sistel. It, mm-hmm. um, who said that Rolling Stone says it might fit nicely into a Solange or FKA Twigs set list. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I totally get that. That's such a weird reference, but we were just talking about her, um, mm-hmm. and it just has it has that jazzy, funky feel to it, you know. Yeah. Um, but the last one that we did pick was Sky Took Hold. What an ender. That, yeah, that that's one of my notes is what an ender exclamation point. <laughs> they fucking killed it ending the album this way. I, I feel like they do it. They did a great job on Shields. And we'll talk about that. And I, I feel like they do do very good about organizing their album yes. into a um, another thing that I would say about them is that they do have this soundtracky feel to me and it's probably because all of the orchestra and kind of mm-hmm. rambling around and things changing dramatically uh, it just has that kind of score actually more than a soundtrack <laughs> yeah I was definitely thinking about that um, I mean I think about that a lot with this band but this song in particular off the new album is you you could just see this being in a movie and like yeah, in, yeah. like all, all, all sorts of like feel. different type of possible scenes probably like some real emotional maybe some mm-hmm. driving maybe someone staring out at the ocean or something <laughs> yeah but it has a real eerie start kind of a slow piano verse with yeah, some very kind of pretty f- phil very collins pretty. drums yep um and then it just breaks into a ripping hook uh kind of grungy psychedelic rock with woodwinds you know 
Yeah, it's super dope. And then and then it slows back down again and ramps back up again. It's they it, they're so good at like sounding really grand, but somehow like understated within like the same songs. Mm-hmm. This is a great example of it. This track. Yeah, it's just not straightforward. Like, oh, this is just going to build and build like continuous yep. thunder, you know, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> nice. it, it It just has. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it just has these moments in it of grandness. Um, yep. And wh- how, where do you sit on um, Grizzly Bear lyrics? Um, I like them a lot. What I have found um, is that I often mishear what they're saying. Yes. Yeah. Um, they have a they're fitting words into places typically, too. I feel like, you know what I mean? Like they don't always have the same tempo to each line. Even if you look at their lyrics, like one's like real short. And so mm-hmm. they're singing the songs. They're singing the words real long. And yeah. And some are like there's 10 words in the, in the same. Space. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I just <laughs> I feel kind that makes of, it hard. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> um, I think they're really good. Like actually like reading them. It's not they're not generally very direct. Um, yeah, that's that's what I love about them. They're completely open to interpretation. Um, yeah. And that's why I'm not really bothered by mishearing them, too, because I was like, well, the fucking real words are just as obtuse as what I came up with. You know what I mean? No, like, exactly. And there's <laughs> we're in on the back half of this episode. We're going to get into one line that I misheard, um, which which really does change the meaning of it. But it's still so, so like they they'll say things even when I get the lyrics right that um, like really like move me but i'm not sure why because i'm not sure that Mm -hmm. i understand it i just know that it connects with me in a very personal way Mm -hmm. so i I won't really be able to explain it but but that's i think that's great that's (laughs) i love that the the places where the music comes in grand and is low really Mm -hmm. affects how i hear or interpret the lyrics in those different parts of the song it's really interesting how they yeah. really fit together well. They're both super obtuse mm-hmm. um, and super esoteric. But the, the reason I brought it up is because there's this one lyric um, stanza in, in Sky Took Hold that I just love. I love the sentiment, kind of this introspective posture that I, I feel like is uh, indicative of our generation. Who am I beneath the surface, uh, hiding out so long inside my head? Every day I stay blind to it. Habit comes and tears me open wide all the time. Yeah, that's it, great. It's yeah, so, it's just is that yeah, it's <laughs> it's it, it's I I feel like a lot of the time it's uh, a lot of their lyrics verge on uh, kind of like stream of consciousness, emotional mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Yeah, there's so much to un- unpack in just that that one line, you know, or that that one stanza. Um how we protect ourselves from our innermost things, uh our innermost kind of fears. Mm-hmm. And part of that is habit, but yet the habit itself uh 
can reveal those things in the end if it kind of goes into addiction, if habit forms into mm-hmm. addiction, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's what it means, but it, it just it, Well, no, it that's, has... what, that's what's good about it, though. It, it's it's ambiguous enough, but but also seems like very intentional. Like, it, it's intelligently ambiguous, right? Like, you can... It can mean one thing to you. It can mean one thing to me. Once again, fuck Malcolm Gladwell. We got to throw, just like Ryan Adams, we have to say <laughs> yeah. fuck you, Malcolm Gladwell, every episode now. But <laughs> that's what's great about it. Yes. Yeah, it is. And in and, and, and the same song, I, I picked out a line that felt more like um, political to me. I, I've come to accept it. Let it take the stage and leave me helpless watching far away. Um, yeah, and it's like I've come to accept the Trump presidency. Let him take, let him take the stage and do his fucking, you know, dancing monkey act. Um, yeah, and leaves me helpless watching from far away. It's like, is this really America? Am I, you know, I yeah. feel so distant from it. Yet it's it's right in front of us, right here. Yeah. Well, for what it's worth, that's how I took that lyric too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one about introspection, one about. A political who knows what if either of them mean what we think they mean yeah anyway it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what the original intention was though right that's the beauty of it no it, when it when it comes to this you, the artist can't be butthurt for uh, us kind of reading in our um own kind of life because that's what that's what esoteric poetry is for you know is is to mm-hmm. kind of be able to kind of pull out what you like and and create your own create your own kind of narrative uh, around the the whole album sometimes i've got sure. all kinds of theories about different albums of you know radiohead or some of these other mm-hmm. bands that just kind of give you little quips and and uh, half truths and things so the whole song ends in some sort of alien trans transmission weirdness some little bleach yeah <laughs> kind of shit that might be going on in the dystopian um, post-apocalyptic world. There's a real end-of-the-world feel to the whole thing. I, I get that. After after I read the reviews that kind of talked about that, I was like, okay, that does make sense, this album. It does. It totally makes sense to me when I read that review. And I'm, I'm curious, like, I mean, there's no answer to this, but, like, would we view it in that way if we weren't just already in that mindset? I don't know. That's for the philosophers, Jer. That's that's for your other podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me know when you get to that. I may check it out. <laughs> I will. Um, okay, well, uh, let's uh, let's take a little break here, unless you have something pressing to say about this album. Uh, I don't. Other than that, I, upon first listen, I, was, I felt a little put off by it. I was like, I don't know if I mm-hmm. like this, but... It was, like I said earlier, like it, it and it has grown on me and I, I think I actually do like it quite a bit. And But I need to listen to it like a thousand more times because it's Grizzly Bear and there's so much to unpack. Yeah, I feel like I do that with sports teams, too, that I get so invested uh, that I'm actually anxious when I watch the games as opposed to Mm -hmm. enjoying it as entertainment, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And with these bands that we really love, I just get so anxious about their release that I like, I'm apprehensive 
and, and nitpicky the first couple of times I listened to it, you know, um, and not that, really good, being though. entertained by it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and, and I mean, it, it's different for me from band to band, but Grizzly Bear is one of those that I know that they just have so much going on in their in musically and lyrically. Mm-hmm. Like with my experience with their albums before, I know that I need to give it a lot of time. Um, but I think I, yeah. I think I do really like this album. But I but I do really feel the need to listen to it a lot more, which is good. That's that that's an endorsement, I guess. That's absolutely an endorsement, and and I felt like I, after I got over my kind of nitpicky of it it really came together as an album for me like, mm-hmm. uh, I understand all of these things that I didn't understand and didn't like before you know yeah. you kind of have to be like bow to the grizzly bear <laughs> and say you're right I'm wrong that does fit there yeah you're, you're the genius I'm nothing yeah and that's, that's gonna tie into what we're gonna talk about in the second half about how very least I nothing. came into Brizzly Gear. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I think I just said Brizzly Gear. I think we need to take our Brizzly break. Gear. <laughs> Brizzly Gear. We need to take a break. I need to get my pot. head on straight. I need, to, I need to do some drugs. I need to drink some alcohol. I got to get my head on straight here. Ink some Dracohol. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good, Nate. <laughs> All right. We'll be back. Okay. So let's get into the... Uh, the the catalog let's get into the deep cuts um jerry you said you had a a story about how you came to grizzly bear lay it on us okay <laughs> it's not a terribly interesting story but um i it's came a good in way on to start a, a story yeah <laughs> like this is gonna suck um <laughs> so skip forward if you're listening to the podcast um but i i came in on them late um but I had friends that were super in on them when uh, Yellow House came out. They knew some people that knew some people that knew Ed Drost because he <laughs> spent some time in Colorado, you know? Oh, I did not know that. But anyway. Um, yeah, Drost and Ross and the two main uh, singers in the band. We didn't mention that earlier, but yeah, put yeah. that in context there. Yeah, sorry. Um <laughs> But it was one of those bands that, like, people I really trusted their music opinion. They're like, they're so good. And I, like, listened mm-hmm. to Yellow House and Vacatomist, and I was just like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, if you, if you had, you've had the album before, right? Where, yeah, you, you can, you know that a band is good, but there's something not clicking for you. Yes, I, I can't think of a band right now other than, right off the top of my head, Arctic Monkeys. You guys were into those guys mm-hmm. so hard. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I, I'm i okay with that kind of music, you know? I, I like the White Stripes. I like that kind of sound, you know? Mm-hmm. Frenetic punk sound or whatever. Uh, but it just wasn't hitting me right. It yeah. Really, really kind of almost had a guttural reaction in the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like listened to Yellow House and Vacatomist and I was like, I, I know this is good. I just, I, I just, I'm not connecting with it. I know I'm wrong in not wanting to hear it, uh-huh. but, um, so then Shields comes out. That's 2012. I want to say, is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, and 
I was in Seattle with my dad, and this was like the peak of me being a pothead. And so we flew there, and I didn't have any weed. And I had <laughs> like been on this mission. This was before weed was legal there, so I couldn't go to the store or anything. Okay. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm just going to try. But it was and- like Colorado where you could probably get it pretty easily still. Yeah. Even it wasn't legal. Yeah, but it like was... if you were a local as well. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so I was like, so well, it's around. You just don't know where to find it. Yeah. So I was like, well, my goal this trip is to find some weed. And it took me like three of the five days I was there. But I went to this like Goodwill outlet where basically it was like a Goodwill distribution center where they sent all of the clothes and stuff to oh, those the individual are the best, Goodwill dude. stores. Yeah, I fucking love it. But I'm like looking around there just at T-shirts and whatever. And this fucking guy walks up to me and he's like, hey, you smoke weed? And I was like, oh, my God, this is a miracle (laughs) sent by God. Yes, I've been looking for this for three days and someone just came up to me and offered it. So I go out, I shit you not, and he opens up the back of his minivan. (laughs) Nice. And it's this like box of weed. I was like, yeah, I just need like, I don't know, not an eighth. I'm only here for two more days. Just like, just give me a little bit or whatever. So I acquired it. And then I had some downtime hanging out at my uncle's house. And he lives pretty close to or used to live pretty close to the beach. And so I took my my newly bought weed down to the beach and just like emptied out a cigarette and stuffed it in there. Uh-huh. I smoked it that way. And I decided to listen to shields and it, it just clicked. It just fucking clicked. Mm-hmm. I heard it. And I was like, this yeah. is, I, I was just sitting there staring at like the, the gray ass ocean, the gray ass sky listening to shields. And I was like, Oh my God, this is fucking amazing. Just high out yeah. of my mind. You were several days. I, that, that happens to me too. When, um, there's just these certain times. Sometimes they're like really late at night. Sometimes they're, you know, working or whatever, but that a, uh, a band just kind of imprints on you. I, I kind of had the same feeling. I was actually out, um, back in Indiana working on houses and, uh, I had shields and, uh, Meriwether post pavilion. And I just kept playing Mm. those two back and forth. Yeah. One after, uh, another, and it just kind of imprinted on me. And that was my first thing. And then I went back. Yeah. Um, they, but they, I had, and I had I, really I went heard back of them before. Well, and I went back too, like, because, like, <laughs> several of my friends this whole time, the years leading up to that, were like, you have to listen to Grizzly Bear. They're fucking awesome. <laughs> and it was after that moment that Shields clicked with me. And I went back to Yellow House and Vacadamist. And, it, that heard what was too. good about it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Oh, right, God, I'm a fucking loser for not listening to them. This is fucking amazing." No, you do have to let them kind of get into your system before mm-hmm. you really start to um, understand what's what's great about them. Um, yeah. So, Yellow House um, is as far back as I went, but that's not their first one. Horn of Plenty, two thousand four, but yeah. we don't really have any songs off of that one. No, and the, like the thing about it, like why the reason we're not including it is because that was, for all intents and purposes, an Ed Drost solo album. 
Um, uh, like Chris, Chris Taylor and Daniel uh, Rawson hadn't joined the band yet. Um, mm-hmm. Christopher Bear played drums for Ed Drost on the album. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it wasn't the full band, it, but it was released under the Grizzly Bear name. Sure, kind of like a Antlers type situation where yeah, that's a that's a, been a full band for like three or four albums, but it started yeah, yeah. as just a a single guy. Yeah, so we're so that that's why we're just starting with Yellow House, um, and and so we it two thousand six, um, and uh, in the little uh, iTunes. Uh, description and this really makes sense to me it kind of has this kind of beach boys beatles 60s feel to it yeah yeah which is real indicative in the songs that we picked out especially lullaby the one that you had yeah well the reason i picked lullaby is that it is the first time that they recorded anything that it sounds like what we were talking about in the first half of this podcast, where the song changes drastically about mm-hmm. halfway through. Like yeah. This is the first time they've done it. And so because it wasn't a solo album, you got uh, Chris Taylor coming in there, who's uh, primarily a producer, but also is one of those people that like plays every instrument on the planet. Um, yes. And he kind of like tasking bassist as uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he um, he kind of added like electronics to the fold. And uh, Daniel Rawson uh, started co-writing songs with Ed mm-hmm. Rose to this point. And that's when they started like really layering like their vocals, which is a Grizzly Bear staple now. Um, but I feel like yeah, all I've been of that told is, like, several so... times that two people. Yeah. Uh, sing in this yes. band, but I can't tell them apart. Right. <laughs> yeah, they do sound so well, and they blend them together a lot, and there's like mm-hmm. so many harmonies. It is hard to tell. But the reason I picked this song, Lullaby, is because it seems like this song is kind of represents the very earliest phase of everything Grizzly Bear does. Yes, you can hear the you can hear the full sound in Lullaby, although it's just kind of being born um and like i said in the the first half this this has more like orchestral flares it has it's it's more flowery than Mm -hmm. it is kind of dark and broody well in the first Um, half of the song too is like it's like so whimsical it's almost like disney movie-esque the first half Yes. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah, and I, I think I've used this analogy before, but it's almost like Peter and the Wolf. Like every instrument is a different character in some, mm-hmm. you know, uh, sort of little symphony. Yeah. Mini symphony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, another awesome track off of this album is Marla, and uh, Edros Ant was some. Uh, like a musical performer way back in the day, but this song was actually written by her in the 1930s. Oh, weird. Yeah, it it it's like it it it's like a dirge. It's a like a <laughs> it sounds like a funeral procession. It's <laughs> but like just knowing that it was written in the 1930s is really fun. With like the little electronic things they do in it, and of course, uh, knife is on here. Like, I think everyone knows knife if they only know any Grizzly Bear songs. 
Yes, it has a great uh, vintage feel to it. Um, before it was cool to have a vintage feel. Yes. Real psychedelic atmospherics. Mm-hmm. Um, nice horns in the middle. Kind of an eerie piano. It's one of the. It has a little bit more eerie sound to it than uh, the lullaby that we were talking about earlier. And uh, yeah, it just kind of you know, kind of ends in this little sound synthscape kind of weirdness. Yeah, yeah, which which like becomes pretty t- typical of them as their albums go along. Like they've got some like catchiness in there, but then it like kind of devolves into something else. Uh, yes, and their willingness to do thirty, forty, a minute at the end of just kind of instrumental. Uh, uh, sounds is kind of sets them apart, especially early on um, from somebody that's just going to get in there and get out in three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really relate this band to, I was telling you, I was listening on repeat shields and Meriwether post pavilion. Mm-hmm. That's both those, those records were how I got into both of those bands. And so I do kind of um, see them in, um, a similar light and it's maybe because of how I came to them. Right. Um, but it's very similar is that like you can hear the sounds in the first animal collective albums. They're much harder to listen to yes. than uh Meriwether post pavilion. But once you've kind of endeared yourself to their sound, you can go back and in those more difficult first albums, you can hear those things that are going to turn into Shields, yeah, Meriwether Post Pavilion. Yeah, like retrospectively becomes like much more listenable. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really weird. And then shout out to the Ender, Colorado, because that's where I live. Hell yes! When I saw yeah. them in concert, I saw them at the Ogden. Um, I did some drugs for that show. That was <laughs> really amazing. And they they did Colorado, and Ed Drost said on stage, he's like, we don't ever play this live, but we we only do it when we're in Colorado. So that was really fun. Oh, that's fun to have that little yeah. special yeah. Uh, treat. Ooh, yeah. I, I should go. They're playing at the Ogden again. I should. Hopefully they get you should tickets. go. They're, they're amazing live. Oh, I hope they're not out. They came out last week. But yeah, they're doing two nights at the Ogden. Mm. It'd be kind of fun to know that they're going to play Colorado because they say they play it every time. Yeah, it's the yeah, only time this is, they this play is just it, a great. soundscape. You know, it, yeah. it's real. It's more. It's less shimmer, more screech. You know, mm-hmm. um, and the whole thing sounds like uh, a senior thesis for uh, yeah. <laughs> com- some sort of compositional theory class from Juilliard. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's this real esoteric thing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so there's kind of some, I'm endeared to to Yellow House because I fell in love uh, with Shields uh, first. Mm -hmm. I I wonder how, because most people that have been with them from the beginning prop up Yellow House as as the album. Well, my experience has been that... uh... It, well, at least my friends that have been telling me to listen to them since Yellow House, they uh-huh. they would all say that the Catamist is the one. Okay, maybe that's just the hipster pick, the the Yellow yeah, House. Yeah, like, <laughs> they used to be cool, man. <laughs> that was a, that was a hippie voice, not a hipster voice. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Whatever. But yeah, it. I mean, it does have. Uh, less of kind of the the cool factor um, 
in Yellow House. I, I feel like they get so much cooler and uh, there's a darkness, eeriness to it um, that isn't always prevalent in Yellow House that has really yeah. endeared me to Vacatomist and, and Shields. Well, and, and the, the way I view Vacatomist is it, it's essentially a perfected version of what they were fucking around with on Yellow House. Okay. Right? So you've got, like, Chris Taylor joining and adding the electronics. You've got uh, Daniel Rossum sharing, like, co-writing duties. And it, uh-huh. and it, it, it I think it just really came together on Vacatomist. Yes, and um, I know I was saying that they're eerier on these two albums, but but there's an optimism to the two weeks that yeah. is just really like a breath of fresh air. Uh, it just feels really good. The, the piano's on them. Yeah, those you keys that, that come that in at the beginning is—it's like, whoa! This is like this. It sounds like bright and summery. Like, am I listening to Grizzly Bear right now? It's like really startling in a fun way. Yeah, and this is this song is tighter and has a more traditional indie rock feel to it. Yeah, I mean, it's a great song. This this is another Grizzly Bear song. I think everyone has probably heard, whether you know it or not. Like when those keys come in, you'd be like, oh yeah, I have definitely heard this. Song. Yes, if you listen to anything India Jason on like a Spotify mm-hmm. radio station or something, then yeah, you've, yeah, you've two heard weeks is definitely out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's so catchy. It, and if you've only heard two weeks and nothing else from Grizzly Bear, it, it would be a weird thing to hear the rest of it. Yeah, it's very misleading if that's the <laughs> only one. <laughs> yeah, just real bouncy. Just oh, it's yeah. just so catchy. Yeah, and you know, basically coming out and saying this is the second song of the Ketamus saying we can write a good, we can write a great indie song. Don't worry yeah. about that. Um, and then the next one that you want to talk about was Ready Able. Yes, this song. Oh my god, I love this song so much. Um, I mean, I I love all of them. I think this is pretty much a perfect album. Um, but yeah, Ready Able. I love the uh, that kind of like driving strumming that's kind of mm-hmm. underneath the like the little flourishes and stuff that come in. It it it, yeah. it I think it creates a sense that like something big is coming. Like it it seems like a big like noise explosion is coming, which doesn't really happen. It doesn't get noisy. It just gets a lot more complex. Yeah. Which makes sense for Grizzly Bear. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of like foreshadows what's coming in the song. It's very exciting. Yeah, it, it's the first one that I, I kind of add that soundtracky score kind of feel to it because mm. it does. It has that driving bass and kind of a slow burn and then just little flares and flourishes are are added. It's, it's real... It's the beginning of of these songs that I I think that I gravitate towards in Grizzly Bear that have like this kind of minimal driving basic structure to them Mm -hmm. and then adding little flourishes and crescendos in different places. Yeah, and it it, 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 like becomes more and more like complex as it goes. 
Mm-hmm. And it's and it's just uh, uh, all of those restrained parts mm-hmm. make the the high points just more grand. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one I want to talk about was about face on this, even though the the we could talk about the entire record. But. Yeah. um another real bouncy one um yeah but it it's a little quieter than than two weeks it has a little more restraint to it um yeah but then it it does build slightly it's a great b-side it does and it has it's similar to uh ready able right before it it has those like little flourishes but they never like completely like expand on themselves like they do in the song before it's like it's a more restrained version but equally as awesome and pretty and lots of different instruments going on in there. That I don't know what all of them are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and we'll put this out as a playlist, but uh, definitely these songs uh, really, they're the most straightforward and kind of poppiest of this album, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Like, yeah, definitely. the rest of it has that complexity from Yellow House. They haven't yes. lost any of that. So if you listen to these three, you're like, oh, wow, they've really changed. But but um, they've, they've added this, but also kept that other complexity. Yeah. Well, w- while being better at it, I would say, throughout the entire album. Yes. All right, so let's move on to Shields, because... Woo! This is this is this is my album. I mean, and it's interesting. James Murphy from LCD had a um, interview, and he got into like which Pixies album is better, and mm-hmm. um, I can't remember the names of them because I'm not. I just I, I'm not quite old enough to have really gotten into the Pixies, right? I guess, uh, and they were just it was like when I was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was basically making this argument where, you know, there's this later album that everyone likes and there's this early album that everyone likes. And and it's hard to uh, decipher between like it's it's just a bigger album. But does that make it better? You know, the, right. the later the later ones tend to be bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and does that necessarily mean better? And that that's the hard thing to decipher about Shields. It's because it, it's a bigger album. It's yes, it's just so much more than the the first two. Yeah, and just I in sound. I think with the conclusion I came to today, re-listening to these for the hundredth time, was that honestly, I th- think. Shields is always going to be my favorite album of theirs because it's what clicked with me finally. Mm-hmm. That I happens. Think, that happens. But well, I th- and, and you I, like um, "Hail to the Thief" too from yes. Radiohead, and it's kind of the same feeling to it, yep. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, "Hail to the Thief" was the first Radiohead album I actually listened to front to back, which is insane, but that's how it happened, <laughs> <laughs> and that is probably my favorite one. Um, if I'm trying to speak objectively, I do think Vacatomist is probably Grizzly Bear's best, uh-huh. um, but Shields just is always going to have such a special place for me, and it's, I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's actually not as good or not, really. I mean, it's it's perfect. It's another perfect album. Don't you feel like there's more um, radio play hits on Shields? Yeah, I do. And that that's that's my kind of 
problem is that am I leaning towards shields because it has those radio play hits that I just am excited about hearing. I'm, I'll still listen to the album from front to back, but I know they're coming. I'm excited. I anticipate them. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, it, it, it just feels like that the right answer is Vicetimus though. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I, yeah. No, I, I, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. I honestly think at this point, my favorite one is the one I listened to most recently. <laughs> yeah right which You're is like, a great oh, sign man i forget that <laughs> yeah forget exactly exactly that's what i was doing today i was like oh my god i forgot this on both albums like this is the best thing ever made <laughs> yeah oh, i love bands like that that's what you that's when you know that's when you know that they're they're in in your top uh, yeah if it's a band that you fucking five. love and you really can't pick your favorite album that's a great fucking sign yeah and every time you're surprised by how good the fucking album is mm-hmm. Like, oh shit, man! I can't. I can't. I totally forgot how good this right. album was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about Shields. So, uh, Sleeping Ute and Speaking Rounds. It it just comes right out of the gates. Um, the real rock, louder, yeah, intensive, aggressive Sleeping Ute. It almost has like thunder in the background. Yeah, there's like there's like those thunder crackles, and it sounds almost. Like uh, like an old western movie, like whip cracking sound in there somewhere. Yes, it, yeah. it seems like a like a western like epic soundtrack about this like insane dream that he's having. It's it's a beautiful narrative and and much more aggressive than I think they've ever sounded before. Yes, yes, and and I completely agree with you. I even have um, on speaking in rounds. It kind of reminds me of a western card playing gunslinger. Um, yeah, and the album cover has a spade and a clover on it. So um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I, I get this whole western feel to it. Curious when I when I was going to see them, um, I went with uh, our friend Dave, who's like the biggest Grizzly Bear fan I, uh-huh. I've probably ever met. Um, and we were like speculating on what song they were going to play first. And it was on the Shields tour. And we're like, there's no way they don't play sh- uh, um, Sleeping, Sleeping Ute. Ute first. Right. Like that seems like the perfect opener. But they did Speaking Rounds first and then Sleeping Ute second. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It, 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 it like turned they my whole seem world to upside down, though. but it, it, it made a lot of sense. Interesting. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And the reason I was going to bring this up is because I do feel like this whole record of Sleeping You um, starts it off is that it's on the folk side of things Mm -hmm. um, for Grizzly Bear. And and the newer one I felt like was kind of on a jazzier uh, side of things. And and maybe you could say the Yellow House, like I said, was Beach Boys Beatles. So it's it's, it's more on a a 60s plane. And so... There are different feels to their album, but they're doing the same thing. That's what I love um, about great bands. Me too. Especially great, like, album bands. Not great, like, mm-hmm. singles bands. Yeah. Speaking rounds, though, that we need to get to. Um, I feel like it's almost... We were talking about how there it's kind of, like, similar to Sleeping You. It's almost like the mm-hmm. inverse version of it, because it starts calm. 
Mm-hmm. And then goes to the explosion, whereas the explosion is early in Sleeping Ute and then becomes calm. And it has those uh, kind of acoustics in the background that kind of rise up uh, in in the chorus. And uh, I can't remember which song we were talking about, but it, it's it's a similar thing they do. And uh, yeah, and they this is a good example of a grizzly bear song where I misheard a lyric. <laughs> And it's the very first line in the song. And so the actual line is, if I draw you upside down, I can let go. Mm -hmm. What I thought it said this entire time until literally today was, if I draw you upside down, I can't let go. The big difference. That's a huge difference. And I can hear the lyric now. If I draw you. I can't let yeah. go, can't let go. I mean, that's really close. Can't and can't. It, when you're singing, it is, especially. Yeah. But very different <laughs> meanings. Um, one thing I haven't pointed out, uh, but that they are, um, they, they do amazing flute work. Uh, yes, oh my <laughs> they God. They really flaunt their flautistry uh, on this one. Excellent flautists. <laughs> World class flautist, like, and that's what I mean by the Peter and the Wolf thing. It's like the fla- the the flout, the flute, the the flute, <laughs> the flautist. Um, it is mm-hmm. like this kind of like bumbling bee or something in their you know yeah. little western show, mm-hmm. kind of hopping up and around, and then has the horns and the orchestra. I love it when they bring in the horns and the orchestra. I love oh that Oh my show. god, me too. They use it so well. I mean, pretty oh. much every band that we listen to have brought in horns and orchestra in in a really great way at some point in time. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good, it's a smart move. The, the pinnacle for the, me is national <laughs> anthem, Radiohead, right? Uh, oh no, yeah, no, that's that's number one. I I don't even have to think about. This. <laughs> I would say uh, those horns off the top are of my head, amazing. number. Number two for me is probably when the horns come in in uh, Fake Empire by the National. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that shit is great. Yeah. We're, um, we're sucker for some horns. We're horn folk. <laughs> we love some horns. <laughs> we're classic horn folk. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but uh, what are the lines in this uh, speaking rounds that I... I, I'm still what the, I referenced this earlier. This is one of those lines where I'm not exactly sure what they mean by it, but and I'm not even sure what I take from it, but it like connects with me on a very deep level is when he says in the cradle of my unruly jest, you belong. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it's <laughs> very moving to me for some reason. <laughs> I've got a very unruly jest right now. I have not trimmed in a while. Sarah was <laughs> Sarah was not happy with me the other night. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> You're the like the king of unruly jest. <laughs> You're the unruly jester. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, the, those lines. I mean. It, you endear yourself to different lines um, in their, in their yeah. things. And it, and it has to do with, I feel like, kind of where it hits. I, I said this earlier, but where it hits with the music. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so the next one I wanted to talk about was uh, a simple answer because uh, talk about optimistic in two weeks. 
Oh my God. This just has right. a, like your heart is beating out of your chest feeling to it. Uh, it's glorious. That's the word. That's the only word I could come up with to describe it. It's glorious. Yeah. Just those drums. Like it is literal definition. Yeah. It's just our, uh, those saints in lockstep. I, I have no idea what it oh. means, but it just has this like heavenly feel to it. It's glorious. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a glorious song. Uh, it does. It has a real kind of like, you know, gospel-y feel to it because some tired mantra call, call ever onward, you know, soldier on. There's this real kind of like stick to your guns kind of feel to it. Yeah, and it was. <laughs> this is an example of what we were talking about before, and that uh, you forgot to mention this to me when you were texting me about what songs we were talking about, and I so I went back and listened to it like a little bit before we started recording, and then I was like, "Oh my god, this was my favorite song on this album for a very long time," and I totally forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just it's so catchy. It's so catchy. And and it's on yeah. the uh, flowerly flowerly embellishment side rather than the eerie side. Sorry, I've had one mm-hmm. one too many cocktails. We're, we're we're running a little long. My words are slurring together. <laughs> we're running on fumes here, <laughs> or maybe we have too much gas. I don't know. I don't know what the per- I don't know what the correct analogy is. No, I think it's too much. You're right. Um, but yes, flowerly embellishment. I said it wrong there again, but we're going to go with it. Flowerly is a good word, <laughs> even if it doesn't really actually exist. The geese of it's, flowerly it's clear. road. It's clear. In, it's, <laughs> it's clear in its meaning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, we, uh, at the same time, that was really cute. Um, look, Oh, we're adorable. <laughs> Everyone knows. Love our banter. Love it. <laughs> uh, Gunshy. It's one of the starred ones uh, on the album, but it just has this, again, gunslinger, so cool kind of feel to it. Right? It seems like a... a it's, it like creates this mental image to me of like a, kind of like a smoky lounge, mm-hmm. but maybe in the future, not in the past. Yeah. I don't know. But like a dystopian <laughs> kind of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Star Wars future. The cantina. Yeah, t- totally. <laughs> I think, one of the things I wrote down was that for lack of better notes, this is. I think one of the examples of Grizzly Bear doesn't sound like anything else. No, you're right. They just sound like Grizzly Bear. You're right. They're just Grizzly Bear, yeah. which is fucking amazing at this point to sound like so unique. I mean, I, mean, I know that they pull from all kinds of genres, but no one fucking sounds like Grizzly Bear. No, you're right. And we can kind of put loose terms on it, like 70s psychedelic or folk or you know, mm-hmm. uh, Beatlesy or sixties sound. Uh, but no, we, we can't link up bands. Like we can link up bands on other, um, with other records. Yeah. And, and no one currently sounds like them. They don't sound like they were specifically influenced by anyone and they don't sound like they've really influenced anyone either. 
it's crazy. They're just their own thing, and it's so awesome. Like all the narrative is in the music itself. Like it, it has this kind mm. of gunslinger saloon type feel, and even that like ting, tingling, chink in yeah. the background sounds like what it would sound like to walk with spurs on your boots. You know what I mean? Like it mm-hmm. has that chink, 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 chink. You know, sound. Yeah. Um, found the worst half of me. It's just like it's just like a bad man song, you know. The hook is so dark. Yeah, but not in, but not in any way we've ever really heard it before. Yeah, it it just it it feels like it could be in some sort of like real slick western. Yeah, gun shy. A western yeah. that has never been made. Yeah, gun shy is a good title. Keeping with that theme, and then Halfgate. It's the B-side greatness. It's got this military drum roll that kind of builds. It has the same feeling of simple answer, but it, it, it just builds and builds and builds. It's such a pretty love song. It's, I mean, it's effectively the ender yeah. because I feel like the, the last song is a bit of an epilogue. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man, Halfgate. That, yeah, that was another one you texted me earlier, and I was like, oh, right. We got to give a little <laughs> shout out. <laughs> Yeah, a little, little shout-out. Because, <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, Shields and Vacatomist are perfect albums all the way through, and we're probably doing both of them a disservice by picking out individual tracks, mm-hmm. but we don't have all the time in the world. But, yeah, Gunshy, definitely worthy of a shout-out. But really, Half listen gate. to the yeah. album all the way through. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weak shout-out, but we're, we're at the end. And... and Shields is at the end, and and we're failing, and and Shields is is like reaching the highest level. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the nice contrast. <laughs> okay, is that a good place to end it? Yeah, I think my computer may stop working at any seconds. So we gotta wrap this shit up. We'll, we'll put the we'll put the playlist on uh, Spotify. I think that does it for us this time. Even in the era of shuffle and playlist, Painted Ruins is sequenced to be heard end-to-end, slowly gathering speed and heft as it proceeds from its withdrawn, moody opener, Wasted Acres, through the splashy finale, Sky Took Hold. Tell us what you think of the album on Twitter, at the Radio Cure Pod. And check out our playlists on Spotify. Search Radio Cure Podcast. All one word. Until next time, I've been Nathan Seal. With me was Jeremy Cohen. Thanks for listening to The Radio Cure. Bye. Ooh, we kind of stumbled into home there, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs>